Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we'll hear from an entrepreneur who works with business owners in Kansas City about getting a business off the ground. Plus, we'll take a look at how inflation is impacting underrepresented founders and their ability to raise funding. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mallorca. Teddy, how are you doing this week? Siggy, I am doing well. You know, as uh, the year comes to an end, Business Brief will be taking a brief hiatus, a little break as we head into the new year, which is making me a little bit sad. But you know what? I'm excited to get started in our last episode of 2022. I am as well. It's been a great, I think it's been around six months that we've hosted the podcast here. So um, I'm excited to, you know, end the year off and I can't wait to see what the new year brings. Me too. I'm looking forward to what's to come. Are you ready to get into this week's headlines? Sure, let's do it. The Federal Reserve announced Wednesday that it's raising interest rates by 0.5 percentage points, the smallest hike in months. The increase is the seventh this year, as the bank works to combat inflation that's beginning to cool but remains elevated. A report on Tuesday showed that consumer prices rose a little over 7% in November compared to a year ago, which is a decline from the nearly 8% increase in October. Yet, it's still a far cry from the Fed's annual target rate of 2% which officials consider to be healthy growth in the economy. Hospitals are filling up due to what people are calling the triple-demic, or the combination of COVID, RSV, and flu outbreaks. Flu activity in Missouri was very high at the beginning of the month, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And as of Sunday, there were nearly 900 people in Missouri hospitalized with COVID-19. Some Missouri hospitals are nearing capacity, such as St. Luke's in Kansas City. The Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education voted Tuesday to recommend an increase in teacher salaries. The move would raise minimum teacher pay to $38,000, an increase from the current minimum pay of $25,000 a year. The salary increase is part of a list of priorities that lawmakers will consider during the next legislative session. And it comes as the state faces an ongoing teacher shortage. Missouri still has about $150 million in emergency housing relief assistance left to distribute. The state initially received $600 million in federal COVID-19 relief funding through a program called the State Assistance for Housing Relief Program. The program helps Missourians impacted by COVID with rent, utility, landlord, and mortgage assistance. Missouri will be accepting applications into the new year and is around four months away from distributing the remaining funds. Kansas City Royals officials provided more details Tuesday on the team's proposed downtown stadium. It looks like private capital will provide the bulk of the funding for the desired expansion, which includes a $1 billion stadium with a $1 billion surrounding entertainment district. At Tuesday's meeting, leaders also responded to questions from members of advocacy groups, who shared concerns about the displacement of residents and businesses and raised the need for a community benefits agreement. It's still unclear where team officials are planning for the stadium to be located. For our first segment, we'll hear from Daniel Smith, the co-founder of Business Resource Center at the Porterhouse KC, about growing a business from scratch. Okay, and what are some of the steps he suggests? Well, the answer is different depending on the business, but Smith says that focusing on strong finances and having a plan is a good place to start. Got it. And what else did he have to say? Smith shared his perspectives with Missouri Business Alert reporter Emily Hood. He has 14 years of experience in both the for-profit and non-profit sectors and has started several businesses. Here's part of that conversation. So, Daniel, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for the invitation, Emily. Glad to be here. At 
Powerhouse KC, you all have multiple programs that are helping helping early stage entrepreneurs start their business. So if someone comes to you with a business idea, a business that they want to start, what is the first thing that you tell them? Um, and how do you help them figure out what their goals for their business should be? We really, we want to work with, so folks that actually are, are, are best suited for our services are at least someone that's already been in business at least six months. Six months to to three years is kind of our sweet spot. Um, and there's 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 different reasons why, but um, if you're just starting out uh, and, and and you're trying to figure life out, it depends on kind of the stage and where you are. Like we have we have some folks that are really great at a craft, right? Or, or really great at, you know, making pies or something like that, right? Um, and they might not have the 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 business uh, acumen uh, or you know the the education or know how to 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 actually formulate your business. And Daniel, as somebody who has owned and operated and started many businesses, can you tell us a bit about how you put together your business plan and maybe some common mistakes that you see when people are putting together a business plan? From my perspective, um, bankers are looking for your financials. Right. They want to know that this is something that's viable. Right. And this is something that you can pay. You're going to be able to pay that loan back. They want to make sure um, that that's possible. Now, um, I don't know if a banker uh, is going to be as concerned with uh, your mission statement or as concerned with your uh, your I mean, they might be concerned with your market analysis a little bit, but they're not going to dive like you know, five, 10 years in your, into your market analysis and, and things like that. So business plans are a little different nowadays. Um, it's still good to have a business plan, uh, but it's even better to make sure that those financials are are, are Trump tight and, 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 and secure. I want to expand a little bit more on financing since this is such an important part of building a business. And through your work at Porterhouse KC, what are some things that you have found that underrepresented founders in particular um, have to overcome or when looking for financing for your business? There's a lack of, the, the there's a culture difference. Um, and there's a, a lack of understanding that uh, creates more barriers than, than anything. Um, obviously, there's a ton of other barriers that are out there. Um, there, you know, previous policies that are in place. I mean, there's, there's, there's bank policies that prevent uh, these, these opportunities. I mean, there's a lot of different things out there, but um, I feel like creating, uh, you know, when I, I say this word, I'm, I'm, this is my new word for, for, the, for the, the rest of the year is level setting, right? Like creating a space that entrepreneurs and, and financiers, be it bankers, investors, whatever the case may be, can get to uh, and, and come to a common ground and common understanding about what we're actually trying to accomplish. I think that helps. Sure, sure. And you mentioned when we were talking about the business plan um, that there are certain things when you're creating a business plan that are more important for a lender as opposed to just having a plan for yourself. Um, can you talk a bit about what specifically, if you're looking to get a loan or even maybe looking to get an investor, what are some of the things that they're going to be looking for in that business plan? Uh, you know they're looking. They're they're going to look at longevity. They're going to you know how long have you been in business? Um, they are going to. I mean the finances. You you're not going to be able to get around that. Uh, they want to know that, like I said, that they that you're able to 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 repay the loans that you're um, that you're receiving. And the same thing with investors. They want to 
They want to see outlooks. They want to see what the future looks like uh, in, in this type of business. What do you think, we've touched on so many different aspects of getting a business started here. What do you think is the most common challenge that the entrepreneurs you work with face? Fear, lack of confidence. That's it. We got some of the most confident people in the world that have the worst ideas, but will stay with those ideas until the wheels fall off, right? And then we have some people that are, are afraid, but have some of the best ideas that, that, you know, but you never know because they're, they're afraid to share them. They're afraid to jump out there and, 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 and just, you know, introduce what they're trying to do to the world. We just got to get over that fear. You got to jump, you got to jump. Our next segment will look deeper at the startup investing landscape for underrepresented entrepreneurs, specifically how the current economy is impacting startup funding. Interesting. So how has inflation impacted investing? Well, investors tend to be more particular during times of inflation. This especially impacts entrepreneurs of color who have historically faced barriers while raising funding. As of October, black founders raised more than $2 billion this year, a fall from the more than $4 billion they raised in 2021. According to Crunchbase, last year's amount was record-breaking, but Black founders still only received a little more than 1% of all venture capital and growth equity financing to U.S. startups during the year. Got it. So what will the landscape look like next year? So that's what Missouri Business Alert reporter Skylar Rossi wanted to find out. She spoke to Amina Abdul-Malik, the investment director at St. Louis nonprofit WePower, about how inflation is impacting the ability for underrepresented founders to raise funding. Here's part of that interview. What are some of the factors that investors take into consideration when they're deciding whether to invest in a startup? Traditionally, a business is assessed for capital preparedness or capital readiness in a few different areas. And one of those areas is always going to be the business's ability to repay, which on a more macro or deeper level involves the founder's ability to, number one, create and generate financial statements um, and a clear financial story, uh, which includes accurate historical financials if you're already in business or have been making money informally, or if you are at that very, very, you know, startup phase or the, in that initial phase, um, creating reasonable um, financial pro forma statements or projections. Also, though, the founder's leadership abilities and capabilities and coachability are also taken into consideration when seeking investment. So how does high inflation and rising interest rates impact those decisions? Not only does inflation directly impact entrepreneurs' ability to access capital, it also directly impacts the prices of things that entrepreneurs need to start and grow their businesses. At that level, uh, as prices of things like food, equipment, supplies, and, and, and prices of everything go up for the average consumer, those prices also affect business owners on a larger level and create kind of another barrier of entry, so to speak, for, for those business owners. When investors are making decisions in this type of economy, um, you know, I'm interested in the uh, the difference in like if they would ask for more equity or ask for different uh, types of sustainability in a business. Like, how do those decisions and perspectives change um, during inflation? As prices rise and inflation grows larger, 
investors become more tight. They're more wary. They're more risk averse. Um, and, and because of that, um, there is typically more equity that is requested. There's also a trend when inflation is occurring. And I want to say this as gently as possible, but in some cases, inflation causes investors to turn away. So they may even not look toward certain deals that they may have had more flexibility or less risk aversion to um, in times of no inflation. So it, it impacts not only the types of deals that are being made, it, it impacts the types of industries that investors are um, seeking to invest in. And like I say, I, I, I like to use the term trickle down, but it's really flowing through the issue. It, it starts on a large level and affects corporations and then flows through to our small businesses and especially our underserved ones. Specifically, how does that impact underrepresented entrepreneurs who, as you're well aware, have already faced barriers to raising funding? As we've seen during the pandemic, as we are still in the pandemic at the same time as we're trying to recover from it, it's almost like flying a plane while creating it. <laughs> so it's kind of where we are in this stage of the pandemic. And we know that Black-owned businesses and other underserved businesses as a whole um, have been forced to close more often. It's really extenuated or increased the racial wealth gap because during this time, we, we know underserved entrepreneurs, typically, they don't necessarily always have secure relationships with banking institutions. They also don't have as many networks of support. And so when inflation occurs, that already existing racial wealth gap gets larger because it's harder to develop, go out and develop those relationships with those banking institutions. Uh, underserved entrepreneurs, they are oftentimes stuck in a silo without that network of support. And inflation just causes that silo to get even smaller due to systematic reasons and, and lack of access, I say. Do you expect this to continue throughout next year? Like, what is the, I don't know, what kind of timeline you could even say, but like, what is your expectations for the investment space next year? Next year, there are a lot of reports uh, from the Federal Reserve and other government resource or sources that are expecting inflation to fall a little bit next year. But realistically, those small changes in inflation will not have as large of an impact as the systematic barriers that have existed over hundreds of years for underserved entrepreneurs will. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what's your word this week? Siggy, my last word of the year is fusion ignition. Okay, I gotta be honest, I don't know what that is. Can you tell me more about it? Absolutely. So fusion ignition is when more energy is produced in a nuclear fusion reaction than the amount of energy needed to produce it. Scientists announced this week that they were able to achieve fusion ignition for the first time after decades of work. Okay, that sounds like a pretty big deal. It really is. So nuclear fusion has the potential to be a major provider of clean energy. Compared to nuclear fission, it's a much less hazardous way of providing energy. However, fusion isn't easy to harness because it requires extreme temperature and pressure conditions. Wow. And will we see this science used sometime soon? Well, it'll probably be a few decades. There needs to be more research on underlying technology before fusion ignition is put to commercial use, according to experts. 
That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? This week, my word is holiday parties. Got it. Very festive. So, do you mean any kind of holiday party, or are we looking at something more specific here? So I'm talking about workplace holiday parties. As COVID restrictions have loosened in the past year, some companies are bringing back the classic in-person holiday celebration. More than half of U.S. companies are planning to hold in-person holiday parties for employees this year, according to hiring firm Challenger Gray and Christmas. Interesting. So how does this compare to life during the height of the pandemic? Well, last year, 26% of U.S. companies held in-person holiday parties. And in 2020, 5% of companies did so. So this is a big increase. Got it. And what about before the pandemic? Are holiday parties back to that level yet? Not quite. In 2019, around 75% of companies held in-person celebrations. So the impacts of the pandemic are still pretty evident. For a closing thought, here's Amina Abdul-Malik again on her advice for founders who are looking to raise capital during an inflationary environment. My advice to entrepreneurs who are seeking funding, it all goes back to being prepared. It's all about knowing your business's strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities and threats. So your SWAT, it's really just all about understanding the key functions of your business, knowing your numbers, knowing what your numbers mean, and using those numbers to inform key decisions about your business. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-hosts, Teddy Mallorca, editors Cole Miller, Katie Quinn, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next year. Mm-hmm.